placed inside the jar. They are left undisturbed for three days. Then, when the jar is opened, the fleas will not jump out. In fact, the fleas will never jump higher than the level set by the lid. Their behaviour is now set for the rest of their lives. representation for the indoctrination center that of course a lot of people call the public education system welcome back beautiful and amazing human beings my name is Lukadowski here of wearechange.org as we are going to be going live for the next hour and a half here on youtube.com forward slash we are changed as we have a very special show for you joined with some really incredible individuals as of course we have a packed digital online house here available to you as of course this is a travel week lots of things going on behind the scenes but there's so many important stories to talk about especially when it comes to the larger cyber attacks which actually might be affecting rumble as of course a lot of people are reporting a lot of outages there's allegedly chinese affiliated organizations going after american infrastructure what's really going on here we're going to be talking about that Plus a lot more, as of course, Tucker Carlson just launched a major endeavor that is going to be very interesting and might totally change the entire media landscape. We're going to be talking about that, plus a lot more. And you guys could participate in the conversation by, of course, going to LukeUnfiltered.com, signing up as a member. And then when you do sign up as a member, you guys, of course, get the right to call in with this new digital show. I still think there's a way of doing this. I'm going to try to still pull this off somehow. Maybe Josh could help us out here. Maybe Clint could actually do something here. Clint, I got, I got some beef with you. I'm going to address it in a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get into all of it. But, but if we're streaming right now, we got to make sure that the person speaking is going to be the, the kind of bigger person here. But that, that, that's another thing. Again, we're figuring all this stuff out on the fly. You guys could participate on LukeAndFilter.com. Members gets to call in. Another way to participate is, of course, through Super Chats, Rumble Rants. We, of course, will be reading all of them. Clint and Stephanie will be pay, paying attention to every single chat that is going through and, of course, reading them out loud to you. Joining us for this very special digital online conversation is the one and only... Oh, look, we learned how to flip channels. Nice. Anomaly. Anomaly. Who are you for the people who don't know you? And thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, yeah, I'm a... Uh digital i guess a news analyst a hip-hop artist an american citizen and uh that's that's really it that's all you need to know so appreciate you guys for having me and uh excited to talk about whatever clint who put all the responsibilities on my producer and didn't set up this live show and was slacking and is a lazy Californian liberal how, how are you doing there buddy uh, i'm doing good luke you know uh the 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 Chicoms have have infiltrated <laughs> Rumble, and there's really nothing I could do about it. I tried my best. I've been working with with our, our our folks for a couple hours now, trying to get this to work. I'm very grateful for Josh for figuring it out. So uh, I'm happy to do it at Liberty Lockpot on X. Liberty Lockdowns the show, and this is the best political show.com. Thank you guys once again for tuning on, uh, tuning in, and we have Steph of We Are Change on the buttons. I think kind of. No, the, the, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be the button pusher, Clint. And you're not even pushing the buttons. Poor Josh has to click the buttons right now. Stephanie is, is just joining us, and she's going to be talking a lot to this show since there's no buttons to push, since now poor Josh has to do all of it. That's right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm excited to be here. Anomaly, I've 
heard your raps back in the day. I'm excited to get to know you and share a conversation. Nice. All right, Clint, do you want to introduce this first story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so it's actually, before we get in with Alex Jones, I wanted to talk a little bit about the big news that Anomaly just shared uh, regarding Tucker Carlson. So let's do that. Just a quick video here. They told you the guys torching Wendy's in 2020 were mostly peaceful. They said that masks worked. They told you the vax was safe. They've tried to convince you that Russia blew up its own pipeline. The corporate media lied too much, and it killed them. We're driving to see Julian Assange. Believe me when I wait, tell wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. I should be boycotting Bud Light. Fantastic job. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> that was amazing. TCN. That's yeah, a very I mean, uh, interesting corporate news name, but I think the biggest kind of revelation here is what Tucker is doing when it comes to independent media. The, the major slogan there that kind of caught my attention is the fact that he said the corporate media is essentially dead. And I, I, I think the number one news anchor on American television just a few weeks ago announcing that the corporate media is dead, that he's leaving, that he's not coming back and he's launching his own independent news channel. That's major news. That's big news, especially for independent media, as, of course, this has been one of the main ways to fund independent media, make pay-per-view-like content, have a members area. I had mine for about 10 years. If you sign up to it, you get 10 years of freaking videos because ever since we started independent media all the way back so many years ago, ever since we started our company, there was always a, a kind of difficulty trying to finance everything. We used to be supported by donations. Then there used to be monetization. Then they started to weaponize monetization. Then they, of course, started to demonetize, downrank, and attack independent media, as we were telling you all the way back in 2008. You could go back on this YouTube channel in 2008, and you could see videos of us saying, hey, free speech is amazing. We're, we're taking advantage of it as best as we can, and they're going to be attacking it directly very soon. And I think it's fair to say that attacks are there. But so are the answers and solutions to those attacks. And those are, of course, pay-per-view, members only, you guys voting with your clicks, voting with your dollars. And I think we have really seen that because this is the way that we have been able to, to sustain and survive as an independent media organization with LukeUnfiltered.com. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't. Tucker is launching his own version of that, which I think is going to be overwhelmingly very successful. I've, I've heard a lot of different rumors in this kind of industry that he's being offered deals that are worth ten, tens of millions of dollars and he's declining them. He's doing this independent route where he's gonna get paid, what is it, 73 bucks per person per year. Is that a good deal? Is this the way to fund the future of independent media? What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hop in. I, he definitely got offered $100 million deals. I think multiple people said they would pay him $100 million to come to his news network. So he's betting on himself, which is impressive. I think on TV, he was always a standout and people that aren't interested in corporate media were wondering how long Tucker was going to stay there because he'd have on honest left wingers, honest right wingers. He'd disagree with certain wars that most Republicans uh, agree with. He'd even question Trump sometimes when he was talking about Iran and he was a standout and I always wondered how he'd do on his own and he's been crushing on X and um, pretty cool to see him betting on himself, turning down big money and having a bigger vision. So I would say... You know, I hope he builds and hires people and, uh, you know, gives people a home that are good at what they do. So, yeah, pumped to see it happen. And he's he's a clear standout in this industry, especially someone who came from the mainstream. Someone who didn't do as well was like Bill O'Reilly. You know, he got kicked off Fox News and 
he's probably financially well off, but nobody really thinks about him anymore. So Tucker, you know, bounced back tremendously. Yeah, who wants to see the neoconservatives old boomer rantings of Bill O'Reilly? <laughs> I don't want to see that. I wouldn't pay $73 a year for, for Bill O'Reilly. Now, I think this is also a kind of very, very similar kind of thing to see like, like Glenn Beck did, because Glenn Beck did a, did a very similar kind of endeavor, and he launched The Blaze, which is somewhat successful, and it's, and it's doing pretty all right, especially, of course, when you compare it to all the other kind of main corporate heads as there's not a lot of big mainstream media guys that uh, usually like to leave their comfy confines of this kind of establishment mainstream. Tucker, I think this is different. He's anomaly. He's an anomaly. As of course, he was the number one news anchor in all of America. Now to see this independent route, that's going to be awesome to see as he's not only just talking about doing his own show, he's talking about doing a network of shows hiring a bunch of individuals. So what is he going to be putting forward? Well, it's something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on myself. Yeah, and I think all of us will be, especially since we're all in the independent media circuit. But I think it's it's actually understating Tucker's importance to say that he was the number one nightly newsman. He is he is a phenom. He, he actually has traversed the newsman stereotype and he is now kind of a cultural phenomenon i mean so many so much so that that many people want him to be trump's vice president uh nominee so this guy this guy really is breaking the mold in many regards and i'm i'm very grateful that <clears throat> he's opting not to go the uh, the corporate route and cashing in with you know uh, uh, an eight nine figure uh payday i think that ultimately it'll benefit the the independent media space tremendously if this guy can be successful as anomaly already hinted you know, there's the potential that he could be hiring additional people and, and bringing them under that that uh, umbrella. I think that I, and I know we're not able to talk about it, so I won't go too deep until we're on Rumble. But just talking about Alex, the uh, the fact that that he was brought back yesterday, um, I think that that there's a real tide shift that we're witnessing and everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I won't give any further. Yeah, details. YouTube. YouTube is so censorious, censorious that you can't even say Alex Jones on the program. You can't even mention his name like i just did right now <laughs> because automatically the algorithm will look for it and when they look for it they're like okay yeah we got to now downrank this video because the more you kind of talk about him the more you mention him the more of a probability that of course youtube is not going to be happy that you do so so i wanted to kind of ask you guys this anomaly i don't know if you're supporting any kind of presidential candidate out there but uh are you and would you support a, a trump tucker ticket I like Tucker, I think, more than I like Trump and DeSantis. Um, I would say that would be a better sign having somebody like a Tucker because one thing I like about Tucker is he has a mind of his own. I remember when uh, he disagreed with the rumblings of war with Iran when Trump was in president. Obviously, nothing happened. People hated that. Like A lot of conservatives and Trump supporters were like, ew, Tucker turned on Trump. But it's like, no, this guy has a mind of his own, and he's just reporting what he thinks. So I would like that. And personally... Uh, I'm not really inspired by any of the candidates recently um, as far as the Republican candidates. I'm just a little bummed out when it comes to some of their like speech regulation that they've turned, in my opinion, a little bit. Uh, hip they're hypocrites to some sense. So I'll let these guys duke it out. Trump and DeSantis. I think Trump's probably going to win. People like him more. But I guess I'm focused on and I know, Luke, I'm sure you could probably relate to this as well. Who's Trump going to hire in his cabinet? Because last time he hired Mitch McConnell's wife, pharmaceutical lobbyist, Mike Pompeo. I would like to see a better cabinet. Tucker would be a good start. And I hope that MAGA and Trump supporters 
kind of put pressure on Trump to hire good people because I don't know who he's going to hire. And I think last time he did a poor job. No, no, no. He, he, he didn't do a poor job. He did an absolutely awful job, especially getting people like John Bolton in his administration. <laughs> one of the chief, craziest, bloodthirsty neoconservatives out there that are absolutely horrible human beings. Mike Pompeo, the CIA guy. Are you kidding me? The, 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 the guy who also ran the cover up with Mr. Epstein, Bill Barr. Are you kidding me? Why? Why did you put those people in positions of power is the question that I think a lot of people are still asking themselves because we never really got an answer to that. But the rumblings that I'm getting from some of the conversations that I'm, that I'm personally having from the insiders is that it is going to be individuals like Cash Patel. It is going to be individuals like Steve Bannon. It is going to be individuals like General Flynn that, of course, will probably have a seat at the table now. And if it's those individuals, of course, that would bring me a lot more hope and optimism um, and would meet some of my skepticism since, of, of course, as people know here, we call out everybody here. I don't care what side you're on. I don't care what party you're on. Uh, if something's wrong, if something's done in, in an unjust, unfair way, we're going to call it out here. But when, when it comes to this new administration, some people are saying Trump has learned his lessons. There's no way he's going to re tell the swamp to come back into the swamp. But I, I, I kind of want to see more action matched with that um, before just kind of believing the scuttlebutt that's going on behind the scenes. Because who knows what could happen? It could also be someone like, you know, AJ, who we can't even mention here on this this platform that might potentially even get a seat at, at, at the table here, which would be fascinating, which would be interesting. But a lot of people <laughs> are, are, are supporting supporting Trump and, and voting for him as poll numbers are through the roof today, mainly because they kind of see him as this kind of bulldozer. They see him as this kind of disruptor that's going to go in there, change things up dramatically. He didn't really change things that much when he was president. But now the, the rumors are, he learned his lesson. He's going to go in there. He's going to disrupt everything. He's going to put all the good people in power. Do I believe that? I want to see more proof. I want to see more evidence before I actually personally believe in that myself. I don't know about you guys. You know, I think it's pretty interesting that we're already talking about, like, if Trump is going to be on the ticket or whatnot, or is he going to be, like, even you eventually. Tucker. Uh, Tucker. Oh, is that? Oh, I thought you were talking about Trump. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about Trump, but you said if Trump's going to yeah, be on yeah. the ticket. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean on the ticket. I meant like as president, like if he would actually become president, because aren't a lot of people kind of wondering like whether that's even possible? Because what Tucker is saying with this Tucker Carlson network um, is that this whole t upcoming ten months, I think he said, is is basically like something to watch out for. He's like because of like this tumultuous time in the political sphere. Um, he's saying, I'm introducing this network. And I think it's really interesting. He did like this interview with Megan Kelly, who he used to work with. And in that interview, he was talking about his network. And she was asking, like, tell us the scope of this new network that you're launching. And Tucker was saying that um, he's going to be rebuilding his whole catalog of content and doing all of these um, new things. So it's really interesting going back to like this Tucker Carlson network. What is this you know, what is his plan for this? How long is he planning to do this subscription for if we are potentially potentially seeing that he might be running or, you know, I don't know what his intentions are exactly with this, but it would be interesting to find out. It looks like there's already a lot of content and he did say that he was planning on building that catalog more just as he had in the past because of all the networks that he has and all of the different 
um, experience that he has from working in a like in actual media, not like alternative media. But now that he's doing it on his own, he has all of that wisdom to be able to build something really great. I wonder um, how how far that's going to go. As much trust as I have in Tucker Carlson, I, I you know, for my own personal uh, needs, I would prefer him to stay doing what he's best at, which is being one of the only seemingly honest voices in the media sphere, uh, particularly now that he's independent. He has really just thrown off any of the pleasantries that goes along with corporate media narratives. And, and I love it. And I do not want to see him enter the political sphere. Mm -hmm. That being said, what I have seen from Tucker, the fact that he's been willing to sacrifice his career with Fox, the fact that he was essentially essentially fired he was sidelined and frozen out um and they were trying to keep him on the sideline throughout the 2024 election what that tells me is that this is a guy who who ultimately is willing to to demonstrate a huge amount of self-sacrifice to stay true to who he is as a person and i, I think that's that's another reason that he has such a, a rabid following is because that's so rare uh in the political landscape much less the news media landscape where there's almost nobody that's that's cut from that cloth so I, the reason I bring that up is it, it makes me think that perhaps he does have higher aspirations. Mm -hmm. Perhaps he does see how dire the circumstances are, and he is open to actually entering the political uh, arena. It'll be very interesting to see. I, I personally would rather him stay in the news realm, stay independent, stay growing and spreading the truth, and then have Trump slot in someone like Vivek, even though I know Anomaly has many questions about his legitimacy. Uh, in terms of his intelligence and his rhetoric, as of late, I am I am convinced that he is the best option for Trump in terms of actually implementing the the uh, dismissal and dismantling of the deep state. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious to see hear what Anomaly thinks about that. Yeah, oh, I want to say. Uh, well, just really quick, I kind of I, I just want to add a point. I disagree with you. I, I I'd rather see Tucker on the corporate media. When he was on the corporate media, he was actually having a huge major impact, especially when it came to holding the Speaker of the House accountable, especially when it came to impacting policies and affecting politicians in a way that we haven't seen a TV personality kind of ever do beforehand. So his influence was really vast on Fox News, where he dominated and was the number one news show in all of America. Now that he's an independent journalist, some people say, yeah, he's great, but he's now not speaking to this kind of larger base and audience, to the boomer base. He's speaking to a lot of people who are kind of in the same line and the same kind of thinking that he is. And therefore, he's becoming more kind of introspective rather than, uh, than uh, extrospective. So I think his kind of entrance into the political sphere might allow him to have a better kind of impact since he previously said, hey, I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to do all this. But when Roseanne Barr asked him this, he was like, this is something that I have to think about, specifically when she asked him if he would become the next vice president of the United States for the Trump administration. And if he does, there's a big possibility that he might become the next president of the United States if he does have a successful potential 2024 VP run. Because then Trump is going to be out of office. They're going to be looking for somebody. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, we made this joke. We made this even a shirt a couple months ago saying Tucker Carlson for president um, because he was being fired. He was being um, he was being attacked by a lot of corporate media forces out there. He was being attacked by Big Pharma. Uh, he was being attacked by the military industrial complex. And where Trump is weak, he is strong. When it comes to a, a rushed experimental uh, gene therapy, Tucker was right on the money. Trump, not so much. When it comes to foreign intervention and wars and foreign policy, Tucker, let's be, let's be honest here, he's been batting 100. He's been right on the money. Trump, 
not so much. So his candidacy would absolutely, I believe, solidify a, a Trump presidency and potentially even a Tucker 2028 presidency, which we're probably going to be making those T-shirts in a little bit on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. <laughs> I think that's a good point where you're talking about with him on corporate media. It had a big impact in a group of people that didn't always hear that. Um, with that being said, I think his influence to Trump is so important because Trump loves to be loved. And sometimes when you listen to Trump interviews, he'll be like, oh, my Democrat friend told me that my thing did this, you know, my uh, medicine. Saved that must not be named. Yeah. Saved 100 million lives. Right, exactly. So I think he cares what people think. And Tucker is so popular that if Tucker holds his own when it comes to war with Iran or one of these topics, I think he's one of the few people who gets through to Trump. And Trump can be a populist in that way where it's like, oh, this isn't as cool as I thought. So his influence one way or another is important. And with Vivek, like you were saying, I gave him a good interview and I tried to ask questions about his pharmaceutical past that nobody would because I found it just interesting and nobody was kind of talking about it. But, you know, Besides Thomas Massey, I'm not really a big fan of that many people in Congress. So I think Vivek has the, um, you know, I would say potential to be one of the best people. And he deserves, I mean, if Trump could give like pharmaceutical lobbyists and Mitch McConnell's wife a job, I think he should give Vivek a job. Absolutely. And we should see what he we, what he could do, because he's not going to be much worse than most of these people. So me, I'm just more in the zone of trying to ask people questions and get them to show me the actions versus like, okay, you popped up and you're saying everything I want to hear. That's great, but let me see you do it. So it's more of, and I think Vivek is, uh, you know, he's hitting the ground running. So clearly he deserves a position. And uh, I agree with you. I think that he's, you know, he's saying all the right things. So let's see if he really actually does it. I don't hate him and I, I don't... um you know, it's not like I look at him like he's so much worse than everyone else. I, th I think he has the potential to be one of the better ones in this party because the bar is so low. Exactly. exactly. We're, we're not dealing with the best people here. We're, we're not dealing <laughs> with the most honorable human beings here who are known for telling the truth here. We're, we're dealing with politicians who want to be elected. And I think the American people always have to remember that. Now, usually in political cycles, what usually happens is the vice president usually is someone horrible. And when we see all the previous vice presidents, whether it's Mike Pence, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Dick Cheney, these are all horrible individuals that are different than, of course, the president of the United States. And they stand out than the president of the United States because then they're able to galvanize more of a bigger vote and a bigger base that they're able to get people to vote for. But this election cycle is very different. Donald Trump's not at any of the at any of the debates. He's not participating in any of the mainline conversations. He's dominating the polls. And what bigger kind of middle finger to the establishment would it be than to have the guy that they tried to silence on national television that had the number one news show than bringing in Tucker Carlson now to have a voice to the American people that can't be censored, that everyone is going to have to listen to and wants to listen to. That would be huge. And I think I, I agree with you, Anomaly. I think Vivek is also kind of positioning himself in a position where in, in case there's an emergency, he's going to get a lot of Trump support and voters. Uh, but but also he's probably going to get a seat at the table, too. He's probably going to be a member of the cabinet because he's one of the few politicians who's willing to come out and say, hey, if uh, Donald Trump's arrested, I would be the, the one who's going to pardon him. A lot of other people are not saying that. He's the only one really saying that, which I think is pretty awesome. I think. You know, it's it's kind of an unflattering comparison, but just looking at the the Pete Buttigieg uh, career arc, where you know he was he was 
being pushed to be the president, and obviously that wasn't going to happen. So then he got slotted in as the transportation secretary, and he was proven to be uh, an outright disaster. I kind of would like to see Vivek get slotted into some sort of higher level uh, department and, and see if he can actually deliver, because in terms of rhetoric, he's phenomenal. But I would like to see him be like, uh, I don't know. I, honestly, he could do he could do a lot of a lot of different high level positions in the the Trump administration. So whatever whatever he's he's given the uh, the responsibilities over, I think that that'll tell us a lot as to like okay, you can write a book, woke Inc, where you talk about uh, demolishing the uh, the bureaucracies and, and firing eighty percent of the federal employee employees. Can you actually make it happen? And yeah. I think that'll that'll tell us a lot. I, I want to kind of switch uh, topics here for a little bit because I'm going to have to get out of here uh, very soon. But I wanted to talk about all the cyber attacks that are that are happening right now. Is of course Cliff Chris Poblowski, the CEO of Rumble, uh, came out and said that he can confirm that there have been a number of unprecedented attacks happening on Rumble since the weekend. He says he suspects that this is political. He suspects that this is coming from activists and organizations that want to censor their creators, mainly because Rumble announced that they're going to be releasing all of the J6 videos that, of course, the federal government has been releasing. Now, Rumble just a couple minutes ago issued a statement saying services are slowly coming back. I was finally able to pull up Rumble on my own personal browser now. But when it comes to independent media, Tucker Carlson going to independent media. Uh, Elon Musk allowing a lot of prominent individuals back on independent media. I think it's fair to say that we are going to be seeing a lot of attacks, specifically on the infrastructure, specifically not just on the credibility, but but also on the the things that allow independent media to be where it is now. Because if they can't attack the message, if they can't attack the man, why not attack their kind of bullhorn, their megaphone that they're speaking through? Because if you're able to stop that, you're essentially able to stop their larger ideas. From my premise and my idea, and Anomaly, you could give me your kind of perspective on this, I really do think that they're brewing up something major, something huge, something like a new Pearl Harbor that they need to do before this election cycle in order to push a larger PSYOP on us. And I think they can't do that as long as we have Twitter, as long as we have Rumble. I think there might be some kind of cyber polygon. I think there's going to be some major event. I, I, I kind of want, want to leave it to you since the infrastructure is being attacked here. And Tucker Carlson, Elon Musk, me, you, you might not even have a voice, not because of censorship, but because of the larger infrastructure attacks that could be happening and could prevent us from being able to speak at all. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I notice every two years before an election, whether it's midterm or regular, my reach gets cut. Like, I, it almost happens every election cycle on Facebook and YouTube. Like, something will happen, and I'll notice that it gets cut, and then it gets given back after the election. I don't think that's coincidental. I think they've figured out, like, that one guy, Epstein, not Jeffrey, but I, I forget his name. He's, like, the Google whistleblower. But he's, like, I've calculated that they've changed this many votes, but by, you know, through algorithm and it's all like if you have enough data enough emails enough people's person uh like how much they uh, are, are browsing certain things you could sell billions of dollars worth of products so they could just calculate i believe okay well who are the people that are amplifying these candidates how do we put 30 percent of them down and then we could get these type of results i definitely think that's a possibility um when it comes to twitter you know elon has been crushing and saying a lot of stuff and 
once he says something the next day, they accuse his side of anti-Semitism and they use that to take away advertisers. So it seems like that everybody, the way he said, F you, I don't care, don't blackmail me. That seems to be the vibe now. People don't care if they're called racist or whatever. It's kind of reached a point where nobody believes them anymore. So there's definitely a bigger play to be had. And I think the people who run analytics, like even for sports now, they're running analytics like supercomputers. They're like, okay, go for it on fourth and one because technically it makes more sense to do that. It's like money ball all over the place. So you would think that the elites have the data. And if it's going in the direction of the Republican Party and they really want it into the hands of the Democrat, you, you would assume that they would try to figure out some sort of uh, thing to, you know, push it back in their direction. So I think one way or another, that's going to happen. Yeah. And, and now, of course, we have the latest news of an alleged uh, cyber attack by Chinese affiliated organizations going after key American infrastructure. Um, what do you guys make of this since this is the kind of biggest news of today? As, of course, a lot of people are nitpicking and saying, hey, could we really believe this? And, and what, what do you mean Chinese affiliated hacking groups? This, of course, is bringing a lot of questions to individuals being like, hey, um, th there might be something more going on here that we're not privy to. Here, let me run a one-minute video explaining it for our audience. Post reveals hackers affiliated with China's People's Liberation Army have infiltrated critical services here in the U.S. Alexandra Hoff joins us now from our nation's capital. Alex, this is not good. No, it's not. I mean, this infiltration appears to be part of a broader effort to insert chaos into our logistical systems. The information collected could then be weaponized if the U.S. and China were to become engaged directly in the Pacific. According to reporting from The Washington Post, citing multiple U.S. and industry security officials, China's cyber army, army is invading critical U.S. services, like an attempt to break into the system behind Texas's independent power grid. Other victims include a water utility in Hawaii, a West Coast port, and at least one oil and gas pipeline according to that report you're seeing there. Brandon Wells, executive director of the Department of Homeland Security Cybersecurity Agency, told the Washington Post this, quote, it is very clear that Chinese attempts to compromise critical infrastructure are in part to pre-position themselves to be able to disrupt or destroy that critical infrastructure in the event of a conflict to either prevent the United States from being able to project power into Asia or to cause societal chaos inside the United States to affect our decision making around a crisis. Well, that that gives you the the general parameters of what they're describing look yeah I, lance 2002 on rumble has a very interesting comment I'm, I'm now i'm now finally back on rumble i'm seeing all the comments so appreciate everyone tuning in on rumble rumble just featured us on number one on the page so thanks to rumble and uh anything we could do to help you guys out during this key difficult time let us know but rumble is working we are live on there and we have a great comment by lance 2002 that just said narrative seeding and i think that's Definitely something that this could be. Makes oh. sense. Yeah, narrative seeding. So Luke is basically saying that they're just pre they're prepaving what what they want us to be thinking about. Kind of did that. Yeah. Kick off Luke. <laughs> they, they just called me and they said, "Yo, you want Luke off the screen?" I'm like, "China, not now. I'm trying to trying to <laughs> your, live stream." Your camera disconnected for a second. You're back now. We're, we're busting the infrastructure. That's China. that's very weird since I'm I'm, I'm going through a, a cell phone. But I was saying one of the people commented on Rumble saying that this is narrative seeding, and uh, that absolutely does make sense. Even though there's a deciduous trap between China and the United States, but when we look at a lot of the most prominent, powerful people in this world, 
They are not aligned with just the United States. They're internationalists, they're globalists, and they do a lot of business and they do a lot of cooperative uh, co-working um, exercises and businesses with China, with the United States. And we have to understand that there are people who are using both sides here against each other. And I, I really do think that this could be something from my own personal experiences that they're laying the groundwork for. In case there is going to be a major incident, everyone's going to be like, okay, we can't talk to each other. We have no communications. It's China or it's Russia instead of something else that might be even bigger uh, potentially here. I have a lot to say about this, but uh, should we be dropping off and going exclusive on Rumble so we can tell the truth? Yes, and I have to go uh, prepare for the other show that I'm doing here. We do have a super chat by uh, Dick Dickerson that uh, in Polish came out and said, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you for your $10 chat, uh, super chat, Dick Dickerson. Um, and we, of course, now will be transitioning, not the trendy way, the normal way, from YouTube <laughs> Over to Rumble, where, of course, the conversation will continue with Clint, Stephanie, and Anomaly. I have to prepare for the Beanie Cast show here, um, as we're going to have a major show this Friday here, by the way, too. We, we're going to have a really awesome show tomorrow with Dave Smith. The day before that, we, of course, have another really special, awesome guest, James Lindsay, who will be on this particular broadcast. This week's a little bit different. We usually love to do in-studio shows. We have a lot of fun with them. But this week's totally different, as, of course, we are going to be doing a live show with Tucker Carlson the following Monday. Then when I fly back, we're going to be doing, again, in-studio guests that are going to be really awesome. We already have the next two weeks totally booked up, so stay tuned for that and a lot more. Subscribe here, but also, more importantly, start an account on Rumble. Sign up. We're going to be going live, continuing the conversation over there right now. But before we do, Anomaly, do you want to tell people where can people find you? As, of course, YouTube is usually the main hub where we have a lot of uh, the, the audience members. Now we're going to get them over to Rumble. Yeah, just DreamRareLinks.com, D-R-E-A-M-R-A-R-E-L-I-N-K-S.com, DreamRareLinks. Thank you for having me on, Luke. I appreciate it. You didn't have to do that. And, uh, yeah, we'll be talking on Rumble, so I'll see you guys over there. At Liberty Lockpod on X, if you guys want to follow me, Liberty Lockdown on Instagram. And the next hour on Rumble is going to be fire. Stay tuned. Oh, at Steph, we are change. That's S-T-E-P-H. Her mic is off for some reason, so I'm going to fill in the blanks. Thank you. And then Steph, W-R-C for Twitter for X. All right, everybody, go over to Rumble. Seriously, it's more important than ever to vote with your clicks, vote with your energy, vote with your attention. Your support means the world to us. Thank you so much for being here with us. I love you guys. Stay tuned for more here on rumble.com forward slash we are changed. See you guys over there. I'm headed off. I got to get ready for my other second live show. Again, this week's exhausting. I've been working my butt off. So thank you guys for, uh, thank you, Josh, for, of course, helping us out behind the scenes here. Clint, tomorrow, you got to do what I showed you what to do. And you got to run the show. You got to run everything, do the introductions. No more off putting all of the work and responsibilities onto poor Josh, okay? You're going to have to do it all. And next time, Josh is just going to send you the stream keys for Rumble. But you got to do what I usually do. You got to be the host. All right. Thank you, Clint. Thanks for filling in. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Anonymy. Have a great show. And I really appreciate you guys. Kick, kick ass on IRL, bro. Absolutely.
All right. Um, so, all right. Now I can actually tell the truth. Uh, Josh, please confirm we are only on Rumble. Just give me a nod if we're only on Rumble. I don't know. He's not. He's not nodding. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna continue to. Do you want me tell. to say something not controversial? Uh, yes. Okay. He's all nodding. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Anomaly. Nah. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I, oh, you I, can go. Ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say like. <laughs> like I'm too close. I'll, I'll back up. Uh, Look, Back the, it up. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, dude, chill out. Yeah. Look, I, I watched uh, Leave the World Behind, uh, which is this new Netflix movie that just dropped yesterday. And it is executive produced by Barack and Michelle Obama. And it is all about Cyber Polygon. It, I, I won't spoil it. I'm not going to give anything more away than that. But it is, it is Cyber Polygon is this uh, basically the same like framework as the COVID lockdowns that happened in the lead up to COVID where they were running all these, like uh, these drills and stuff like that. Well, they're doing the same thing, but with a internet blackout um, and some sort of invasion from a, a foreign army. The fact that the next day after I watched that movie, especially given that it's from it's executive produced by a former president that would be privy to these types of programs, very fucking concerning to be totally blunt uh, that this is, this is now seems as as the commoner said, seeding the ground for people's you know mentality to accept. Oh, the internet's out. Well, we're under uh, attack from the Chinese. My, the you know I always go the false flag route. My suspicion would be no. This is the American government doing it to us. Uh, but I'm curious what you guys think. I just realized my thumbnail was like me like this. Uh, you got to make me make that face one time today, or else it's just inaccurate. It's fake news. <laughs> but right. uh, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to like believe mainstream media. Sometimes I'll be working out and Fox News or CNN is on and it just like looks like such a psyop. Even her, she's like chaos. And so, like, do you, is that how you say chaos? Like if I took that woman on a date, she's probably married, which, okay, if you're go out with your husband or whoever, you know, and you, would you say chaos like that? And then like, it's like, they're just reading a script. China, who said China? <laughs> Washington. It's hard oh. to concentrate <laughs> watching that sometimes, right? I feel the same way. And then it's like Washington Post. Right, who told Washington Post? The DHS director, like, the, you know, I would love to believe my government and media like Russia did it and China did it. But it always seems to be whoever they want to start a war with. Like, it's like Palestine, you know, their government found a thing and they, they did it. And it's like, did they? They might have. I'm not I'm American. I love this country. But yeah, it's just so hard for me to believe Fox News, Washington Post and some Biden administration guy. And it's always like the psyop that they all agree with. And they're. I'm not saying that we're not getting hacked by China, but. It's just hard for me to believe personally. I don't believe them. Yeah, I mean, odds are we are being hacked by China and, and a bunch of other foreign governments all the time. Um, but I think that the the important thing that most people will overlook in that quote from some State Department official was that they say it's highly likely that the Chinese have put this this technology, these you know, these programs, these spyware, whatever, into these infrastructure uh, buildings because they want in case of a conflict with America. Well. If you're if you're viewing the American empire with any level of honesty over the past 50 years, you'd have to be crazy not to be preparing for a conflict with America. Like if I was the leader of the Chinese, if I was the head of the CCP, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be like, look, we don't want war with America, but America could declare war on us at any time. So we need to have some sort of preventative measures that are in place to shut down different aspects of their infrastructure to make their invasion much more challenging. And I think that's like... That's the more reasonable read of this. Obviously, the the crazy, afraid of everything China read of it is, well, China's preparing to invade. I just don't think that's probable. I mean, we still have the most fierce, vicious military on Earth. We still have 
thousands of nuclear weapons. Do you really think that China is actually intending on invading us? I would wager the answer is no. Yeah, yeah I, I you mean, know, it doesn't sound very it doesn't sound very probable, Clint. I would agree with you on that. But then it, it begs the question, like what what what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think that what's going on is that they're preparing the the American people's uh, you know psyche to strap in and be ready for this shit, and and, and it's just like the perfect. But it's not China. Like we're supposed to think China. We're supposed to point the finger and be like it's China, but we know that it isn't China. So well, who is it, right? Like the, I mean, the the perfect dot to connect here is what what happened with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It was EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Daszak that were do that were actually doing that research being funded by anthony fauci through nih so it's like oh, but then you have a bunch of gop politicians that will get up on stage and go we need to get to the bottom of why the ccp released this bioweapon on the world how about we get to the bottom of why the fucking american government was funding it why were you robbing me taking my tax dollars and then funding right. gain of function research on a pathogen that then went airborne that then killed 20 million people by your own figures inside uh, job can, can i answer that can I get an answer to that first before we, we start to think that China right. is actually preparing for some sort of cyber polygon attack against us? I don't know. Just my thought. That's like the false paradigm is like to the left. It's like, you know, wear your mask, get your vaccine, listen. And Trump's an orange goblin who came to, you know, spread a <laughs> virus in your throat or something and like kill your family. And, but then on the right, it's like it's China and people are like, it's China. And it's like China didn't do Operation Warp Speed. China didn't print trillions of dollars. China didn't make all this happen you know like even if it was coming from there who was funding that lab like people because most people don't think deeper than left or right in trump and biden so it's one of those sort of like false paradigms and i'm not obviously china is a geopolitical um adversary of america i'm not pretending like they're not but there's only one thing that nancy pelosi donald trump vivek george soros there's only one thing that unites all of them and mike pompeo and the guy that uh by, like they all blame China for everything. You know what I'm saying? It's the only thing that they come together. Or remember when Trump brought the opposition leader of, um, was it Venezuela or, or one of those countries like Maduro or whatever, they brought him to like a American state of the union and Nancy Pelosi's up, Chuck Schumer's up, Trump's up. And it's like the only thing they ever agree with is a foreign war. They all hate China. And usually they agree to pass speech laws in America under the guise of anti-Semitism and say that that's what this country really needs. And, and you know, it's like, so... I kind of see it that way where remember when uh, Vivek, he tweeted out, he's like, well said, George Soros, the threat to the open societies is China. Like, you know, before he ran as a Republican or whatever. And it's like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I'm not asking people to be a huge fan of China. I just find it oddly suspicious whenever every politician agrees on something. It usually means there's going to be a lockdown, a vaccine sale or some sort of war, you know, and uh, yeah. that's that's not a pro China statement. I'm just saying. And, well, and let me be very clear. I would rather not be in the position of believing that my government is capable of implementing a, a cyber polygon against the American people. But I also didn't think that they would fund gain-of-function research, lie about it, perjure themselves in front of Congress, get away with it, kill tens of millions of people, lock down the, the economy, lock down the global economy, fuck up the entire economy for a generation, inflate the currency, destroy our, our budget on the federal and our personal levels, and then we're all supposed to just walk away going, well, that was fucked up. That was weird. But uh, I'm interested you know, to we hear worn what masks more. I mean, I, I'm interested to hear what AJ has to say about this, because no I don't know if you guys caught the the whole spaces on Twitter yesterday. It was a very interesting um, moment just to see all of these people together in one unscripted conversation. 
and what and how that all went down. And apparently what they were saying, which was interesting, was that Alex Jones has prophesied so many things accurately. Like maybe he got some things wrong, but a lot of the things he was like breaking news on. So I wonder if he has like anything to say. I haven't heard of him um, speak about the blackout, but I do see that the blackout's trending on X. So I'm curious if he has said anything about that. I know Clint was talking, like people kept saying the cyber polygon, like, um, you know, I guess since we're on Rumble, we could say this because on mm -hmm. YouTube, they flag it, even though it's true. Event 201 before the pandemic was like a pandemic simulation by Johns Hopkins, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, and uh, I think World Economic Forum, where they simul simulated a coronavirus that shut down travel. And then something very similar happened. But apparently you can't say that they're similar, even if you're not saying that they made it happen. It's like a, you're not allowed to say that. Um, thank God we're on Rumble. Uh, with that being said, you know, we all saw that Klaus Schwab did that like cyber polygon conference, like, you know, and it was like, it seemed like the event 201 of, of, of cyber attacks. So, you know, that happened a year and a half ago. And it's like, well, this guy's got a pretty good, you know, he's like the Alex Jones of global events. But on the other side, it's like if they do a conference about it, the chances of it happening in the mm. next couple of years is pretty high. So ever since then, I've kind of been waiting for some sort of massive cyber attack, you know. Well, if you're, if you're so then nervous. I can't talk about it. And then it's like, you know, I'm waiting yeah. for something that I'm not even allowed to speak about because it's a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as it happens, like then we're allowed to talk about it. But oh, the Internet's fucking down. So we can't talk about it. Look, uh, since we're now able to speak freely about Alex Jones, let's uh, run this clip of Joe Rogan talking about Alex Jones. You can revitalize and rehabilitate someone's image in a way that is pretty shocking. Look at the way people look at Alex Jones now, because Alex Jones has been on my podcast a few times. The people that have watched those podcasts yeah. think he's hilarious, and they think that he definitely fucked up with that whole Sandy Hook thing, um, but he's right more than he's wrong, and he's not an evil guy. He's just a guy who's had some psychotic breaks in his life. He's had some genuine mental health issues that he's addressed. He's had some serious bouts of alcoholism, some serious bouts of, you know, substance abuse, and they've contributed to some very poor thinking. But if you know the guy, if you get to know him, like I have, I've known him for more than 20 years. And if you know him on podcasts, you realize like he is genuinely trying to unearth some things that are genuinely disturbing for most people. Like this is a guy that was telling me about Epstein's uh, island fucking decade ago at least he was telling me about it. i was like what you're telling me there's a place where they bring elites to compromise them with underage girls and they film them really like what cut the fuck out of here yeah. like no president clinton's been there everyone's been there like <laughs> what it sounds like nonsense and not only is it true but people keep getting fucking murdered for it did you see that latest clinton advisor that got murdered about yep. it yep yeah, yep. hung with an extension cord, shot himself in the chest 30 miles from his house, and they're calling it a suicide. <laughs> so I, the reason I played that is I just wanted to welcome back Alex Jones to the land of the living, those that are actually able to to have some semblance of a platform. He he managed to be very successful even when he was driven into the, the digital gulags, uh, purgatory, if you will. Um, but certainly his reach will expand exponentially if he 
just if X maintains uh, having him on there, if he starts to run Infowars as you know live streams on X, I could see his his viewership. I don't know if it would get up to Tucker Carlson levels, but it would definitely be in the millions, and that would change everything as far as I'm concerned. I I'm personally of the opinion that uh, you know Alex gets a lot wrong too. Um, but I'm very appreciative that he's going to have an opportunity to have his voice heard by more people. I think that it's valuable. Uh, I'm just curious what you guys think, think about him coming back. And, and a quick shout out to, to Dave Smith and Josie who were on that Twitter spaces yesterday with fucking Andrew Tate, Alex Jones, Vivek, Vivek while he was taking a piss, which is just hysterical. Yeah, we all heard insane. that. Um, but <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, Patrick Red Davids, Matt Gates. There was a bunch of people and a few I didn't know. Unpresidential, dude. I was going to vote for Vivek, but now that I realize he pisses, dude, I don't know if I could vote for a pisser. You know? Yeah, right. yeah, I'm no. voting for a president, not some, not a toilet bowl. No, I'm just kidding. Like, imagine if there, that would be a funny skit. Like, the guy who was going to vote for Vivek, but him pissing, like, turned him off. He's like, I really like his policies, but I mean, pissing in the middle of an extreme how how much more unprofessional could you get i'm i'm gonna vote for uh you know doug burgum now or you're like what? i think what? that's what makes these x spaces so charming i feel like i mean this is my first time actually going on an x space and listening and interacting in one of those things and it's it's very interesting because it's really like this organic conversation with all of these people coming together like last night and I, I don't know. There was some criticism that I saw from David Icke, which I found super fascinating. I, did you guys see that? I love David Icke. Um, did you did see it, what he said about it? About it, Elon, God, Elon? Yeah. No, I didn't see his Elon stuff. But, you know, I think it's a real beta move for, for Vivek to piss, like, in the toilet. Like, if you're a real man, <laughs> piss on your phone, bro. Just take a piss <laughs> on your phone. And I know you did it because then you wouldn't even be able to join the stream again because it would break, you know? <laughs> if you want my vote, you got to man up. Go ahead, <laughs> sorry. In fairness, he might he might have been. Uh, maybe it's just one of those you know new waterproof phones. It, just very very Chad Alpha move to piss on your phone midstream, Vivek. Uh, midstream stream on the stream. Ooh, I like the the play on words dude, there, Vivek. Stream, dude. We're just streaming. Stream of consciousness. Stream of piss. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I see a lot of people talking about Bill Cooper in your comments, and I, I love Bill Cooper because and he had a little beef with Alex Jones too, but. With Alex, I think it's important before people call him an asset and stuff is don't allow the left to frame the conversation like, oh, he's so bad because he did all this stuff. It's like, well, what about the people who wear suits and speak really nice and start wars and lie all the time? Like, are, are they not worse? Like you put Alex Jones on a stage with Piers Morgan, he blows the water off him. So that's how they operate. They get us to kind of like throw each other under the bus and then they get to be the prominent cool people. But Alex is better than a lot of those people without even trying, even if he messes up. I was laughing. I mean, this is kind of rude, but it's funny. You know, they were, he was like, he used to deal with like, uh, you know, alcoholism. And I was like, like 10 years ago. And it's like, no, 10 minutes ago. Like Alex, it's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Joe's talking about like him being an alcoholic. But uh, anyway, it's just I, I like, you know, I think he's had alcohol problems for a very long time, personally. That's what I'm saying. But uh, in general, it's all good. Everyone has problems. But it's like, all right, you know, before we throw this guy under the bus, let's let him in the public space, say what he wants to say, and don't allow the normies to just control the space and get you to kick each other while you're down and they get to be the authority. It's like they're not the authority any more than he is. They're, you know, he's just loud and funny when he's wrong and they're not and they're wrong even more and more nefariously. With that being said, you know, you guys brought up, um, you know, David Icke, too, who he was one of the few ones who who kept saying even when Trump was in power, you know, Trump is a puppet 
of the foreign country that must not be named. And uh, Bill Cooper was a big critic of Alex Jones. He said that he thought Alex Jones would constantly like fear monger and make up fake stories when he was alive. I find that all fascinating. Like, what do you guys think about like, because those are three legends in the conspiracy theory game. It's like David Icke, Alex Jones, Bill Cooper. What are you well, guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, here's the truth. In 19, or I think it was 99 or 2000, definitely into 2001, you, there, are, there are rants from Alex Jones against Israel, like vicious rants and, and uh, you know, really profound ones where he's like, look, I used to, you know, defend Israel and da-da-da-da, and it seems very sincere. And now he's talking about carpet, carpet bombing Gaza and, and dropping bunker busters, and it does seem as if there's been a shift. So that's, the, that's where the allegations are coming from, from Ike, as to whether or not he's now controlled opposition or, or if he's been, uh, you know, Epstein Island did for, uh, for Israel. I have no idea, man. Look, here's the reality. I don't trust anybody in the political sphere, like hardly anybody. <laughs> I really don't. Unless I know you personally, I just think that you're probably a liar. Um, so, <laughs> like... Is, is Alex Jones controlled up? Maybe. Who knows? But he does cover some things, and he does get things right in advance sometimes. Maybe he's getting it because he's a, a deep state asset, and they're just feeding him enough breadcrumbs to keep his audience in line, and then he misleads them into the next war. I have no idea, but I just want to see more and more dissident voices uh, given the opportunity to speak because I think that that's vitally important. The reason I don't think he's controlled opposition is because you had, I think it was somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of eight major platforms, uh, you know, dethrone him everywhere in, in right. a matter of in a matter of 24 hours. That level of orchestration is not organic. That came from, in my opinion, it came from a top down uh, directive from the government to to get Alex Jones kicked off of everything. And for that reason alone, I want to see him have an opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. Steph, you want to say anything? Cause I could, I could talk for days, you know, I should probably rest my mouth and let you, <laughs> let you say some stuff. Oh, I mean, it's all good. I, I really, I, I'm really interested about David Ike's perspective because I was kind of blown away seeing his tweets uh, or his ex, whatever. I don't know what these are called anymore. Um, but I was blown away because he, he was basically like talking about how everyone was just like bowing down to Elon Musk. And it kind of was like, you hear Alex Jones, like, thank you, Elon. Thank you so much. And like, everyone's saying thank you. And and then here we have like David Icke being like, like basically everyone's like trying to suck Elon's dick. Like, I'm like, wow, this guy is saying this and no one else shares this perspective. That just in and of itself made me be like, hmm, what's David Icke up to? Like, I kind of just want to learn a little more on why he's saying that we should get him on the show let, let me uh, there they oh, david oh, ike and and alex jones have been like friends through luke back in the day when luke still looked like eminem or something like they, <laughs> they all like they like i know that they're all besties in, in like like deep deep there somewhere yeah th th that is very interesting i look maybe ike's right maybe he is but it doesn't change the fact that I want to see more people platformed again. I think that yeah. the, the entire right. like the entire trend towards deplatforming began in earnest with Alex Jones. The fact that he's now get, been given his platform back on one major social media app means a lot. And you know, to to defend the people that are blowing Elon Musk, and I know it may look uh, untasteful or distasteful to be doing so because he's one of the richest man in the world and blah blah blah. Look, he didn't have to do this, okay? Right. Like he did not have to. He spent over forty billion fucking dollars to buy this dead FBI spying app. Like that's what he bought. It was a piece of shit, and he bought it for a crazy amount of money. 
And now he's risking having his app pulled from the Apple Play, Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Like they could they could go after Elon in a much harsher way than they already have. And he's already been under immense pressure from advertiser uh, pullouts from Media Matters. I so, get that, but there's so he's just sacrificed. This... He's risking a lot to give Alex this platform. So that's why I'm yeah for sure. But then there's just like when I read when I saw um, when I saw David Zeich's response, I just felt somewhere deep within where I'm like there might be some truth to this where maybe this is all like just a show. Like maybe this is all a show, like getting Alex Jones back. Like, cause it, for me, I was like, whoa. I was like, wait, I need to get on X and figure out how this works and get on this stream. Cause what's going on right now? A turning point moment is happening in history right at that moment. Well, I recognize that right away. It's like, this is important. Like, this is something we need to, I started texting all the people that would never even care. I was like, you need to go on here. Anyone that I cared about, all my loved ones. I was like, check this out, check this out right now. I, I respect and appreciate everyone's skepticism. You ought to be skeptical, but the, to me, it strikes me the same way people in my community, the libertarian community that are, are bashing Javier Malay uh, before, like literally before he's even uh, inaugurated as president, you have people going, oh, he likes Israel. He's a fucking, he's a sellout. He's this and he's that. It's like, and, all right. But then day one, he gets rid of all, but I think it was eight, uh, like federal departments within Argentina. Like that's huge progress. So like, even if the dude is controlled up, he's still taking that country from a socialist hyperinflationary hellscape and taking it back in a positive direction. So like, like, I, I guess I'm just saying like, take a, take take a victory lap here and there folks like just don't don't automatically go down um, yeah. the black pilled route that's all i'm torn on it because when it comes to uh when it comes to elon like i'm not a hater and you know people get mad anytime i compliment him on that same thing but it's like you know elon doesn't owe me anything i didn't expect anything from him him bringing these people back doing all this stuff making it better for us to share information it is a massive w like outside of his words but then i understand where uh, david ike is coming from it's like he does own Neuralink, he does own a lot of energy stuff so he is a big player and, you know, I heavily disagreed, but I didn't get mad at him, David Icke, because I like Trump a lot more in 2018, 2019. And, you know, David Icke kept saying Trump's a puppet of Israel. He's just another puppet. And I was like upset. I'm like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Trump is so different. And then I kind of agree with David Icke now. So it's like one of those things with Trump. I've already seen it where it's like three years of him crushing the fourth year of him not crushing. We're in a lockdown. He's flip flopping, saying his vaccine saved 100 million lives. And it's almost like the Pavlov dog experiment where you give somebody this awesome guy, you you ring the bell, ring the bell, ring the bell, and people get programmed to look at it like a symbol. And then you take away the substance of it and people still go along with the thing without a substance. So yeah. I'm very weary of like the Elon situation because I do like him. I do compliment him. I do try to take a victory lap. But at the same time, it's like if they're just programming, they're getting everybody in these streams and all the big right wingers to like them, like them, like yes. them. And then two years later, he does something crazy. And 98 percent of these people can't get their emotions. Yes. Like, their the business flies. like our intro video with the flies where it's like, right. now this is everything now, like Plato's allegory of the den. Basically, it's like this is right. what we yeah. know and this is what we believe. And this is the truth, because yeah, that's they all could we do see. that again. Yeah, but what I'm, so I want to definitely point out that. Elon Musk did, isn't the whole point of X to be like this global platform for a bunch of different things, like even the monetary and kind of like um, yeah. WeChat in China has uh, where they use. I used to teach Chinese children English online, so and and Chinese adults English uh, back then when I was living in Mexico. So at that moment, I, I was speaking a lot to Chinese people during the lockdowns. They were telling me they had the masks on. I was learning a lot of. I was like a backstage China learning a lot of stuff going on over there by doing this. And while I was doing that, um, 
they were teaching me about this WeChat thing that they have. And essentially it's like, you can use it to pay for things. They usually pay for everything on their cell phones. They don't actually like use cash or cards. It's all on the cell phone through WeChat, which is like a WhatsApp. And, and, and Elon is trying to say that this X is, I, I thought that he wanted it to be like this broader kind of thing. And I'm comparing it when I, he's, when I heard that, I said, Oh, this is going to be like the next WeChat. Is he trying to do like a next WeChat? So then putting that with the Neuralink and all this kind of stuff, it's a little disgruntling. And then on the other side of the token, when we have David Icke, who, who I read one, my, one of my favorite books of David Icke is not, it's actually a very small book that he has. And it's called um, The Robot's Guide to Freedom. And it has him on the cover, butt naked with a little sticker on his wee-wee. And it says <laughs> censored. And you can literally um, put, like peel it off and see. And the whole point is that he's like, I am me, I am free. Uh, Robot's Guide to Freedom. That was the title of the book. Um, I recommend it to anyone. It's a great book. So I think that David Icke does come from this kind of, one would say, enlightened perspective where he did go through like this spiritual awakening to where he has a different perspective from most people. And um, I'm not trying to say that everything he says is the Bible or anything like that. Or It's just that he does have a different perspective. So it's just very interesting. I love being open-minded. I love hearing everyone's perspectives. I don't really like to make huge opinions right off the bat, but I am very vigilant and aware of what's going on. And I, I like to observe and listen well, more this, than speak. This plays perfectly into to Anomaly's kind of, uh, you know, retrospective of the Trump presidency and, and how because of the hero worship that went into Donald Trump, then when he fucking destroyed the world or allowed people under his purview to destroy the world in 2020, well, you know, because they were already worshiping him as a hero, many people have excused that entirely. And I think that's the same lesson that ought to be expanded to Elon here. Uh, appreciate, applaud him when he does the right thing, and then drag him mercilessly when he does the wrong thing. And like, I know that it, it'll be very challenging and most people won't be able to to flip that switch and shift, but I know all, all three of us will and, and most in our audience will. Uh, before we get into the next topic, I want to thank our sponsor for this evening. And that, as always, is Birch Gold. Diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe. It's Birch Gold Group's most popular special of the year. Now through December 22nd, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they'll send you a one-ounce Silver Eagle coin for free. Visit birchgold.com Luke to claim your eligibility now. You can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's precious metals specialists help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold for no money out of pocket, and they'll send you free silver for every $5,000 you purchase. Keep it for yourself or give something with real value as a stocking stuffer this year. Just visit birchgold.com Luke to claim your eligibility. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, now is the best time to buy gold from Birch Gold. Visit birchgold.com Luke and claim your eligibility for free silver on qualifying purchases before December 22nd. The link will be in the description below. And I want to thank Birch Gold once again for being our sponsor. Now, I wanted to get into this topic. Um, it was actually, where is it at? Here we go. All right, we got uh, the, the great Ron Paul, who somehow manages to never be wrong about anything, talking about the World Economic Forum. So let me play that for you guys. Here we go. What are your thoughts on the World Economic Forum? Well, it should be disappeared, yeah. <laughs> intellectually speaking, because, uh, yes, it is a powerful force, and they're using the same tools that I'm advocating for liberty. I mean, you take a guy like Soros and others, 
before the World Economic Council came, they, they got a hold of the educational system and then they moved along from there. Our universities were there. And even they, oh, with COVID, it looks like they've taken over completely the medical profession, yeah. which is really sad. But uh, at the same sense, a few people have uh, awakened. Uh, they they know this, and uh, more people did. More people know what's went on during the lockdown yeah. than they did before the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, they're looking like the American people are ready to resist that. They are the bad news, and uh, the only thing I can think of is counteracted with the good news of what liberty is all about. What are your I'm just curious. Is there? I don't know how that played super loud. By the way, I think the audience it like it was like 20 times louder than us. So you just fucked up a lot of people's ears. Well, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, I hope, despite the the deafening uh, beauty of Ron Paul's voice, uh, people can appreciate the message if you were able to understand it. Uh, basically, you know, it just blows my mind that a dude that's in his 80s, like. Keep in mind, like that's Biden and Trump's age. Like he's he's right up there with those guys, but he's still sharp as a tech, even though he's had a stroke, and he's still able to like analyze these things in real time and and realize where the tyranny is actually coming from. I just wish that this was doable by more than just Ron Paul in his old right. in, in his old years. I'm just curious what you guys think about that clip. The rest are all MK Ultra. Yeah, I want like. <laughs> I don't know if this kind of overlaps over it, but like, say before Trump got in, liberals really cared about uh, Citizens United, right? That's like the donor class that's controlling both sides. And they really cared, like Operation or whatever it was called, the Wall Street thing. And then once Trump got in, it's like a Marvel movie through me media manipulation and brainwashing. It's like Trump is the evil goblin and anyone else is the hero. Alec Baldwin, freaking Rob Reiner. It's like anybody that we could find that's opposed to the orange goblin is the hero and he's the villain. And now they completely forgot about donor money in politics. And Trump comes through and he's this hero of the right wing, right? Like, I don't need anybody's money. I'm so rich. I don't need to take anybody's money. And you're like, that guy's the hero. But then I didn't even realize until a couple of years later, Trump did take money. He took hundreds of millions of dollars from mega donors, corporations. He took Pfizer money. His whole cabinet sucked because he sold out like every other president. But I say that and people think I'm being hateful. The left doesn't want to hear it. The right doesn't want to hear it. And then the lockdown comes and people fight over this and that. So I do think that there is an element of like, you know, both sides are controlled by like Kardashian-esque narratives. Whoever's pushing that. I know Ron said certain things in his uh, video, but I think people have like McDonald's eyes politics and both sides are too emotional in this Marvel plot and they can't see themselves through like, Hey, I might not like Trump, but he's not that bad. Or like, I like him, but like, yeah, no, he did do that. Like both sides are incapable of thinking that way. So, you know, I do think that the opposition is controlled. And I think that even to take it back to the Elon thing really, really quick, like I like Elon, I think he deserves praise, but my business is not completely attached to him. So if he starts putting computer chips in people's heads and using X to destroy America, I'll call it out. But I don't think a lot of Republicans will because I think it's more of a business to a lot of these people. It's like, who do I hang out with? Who do I go to speaking gigs with? Who do I make money with? And they all buddy buddy with each other. And then it's hard to kind of criticize your buddy. So as a journalist and an analyst, like I'm friends with a lot of people, but my duty is to tell the truth. And, you know, that goes above business connections for me. For most people, it doesn't. So I think that there's like an element of, uh, of that going on all over the world, but especially in America, like we're stuck. We're like stuck in a loop, um, you know?
And I don't know who's who's funding that or who's a part of it, but hopefully I answered something there. No, no, I, I totally agree with your analysis. And, you know, this is why I have so so few friends in the the political commentator world and, and why you and I have have gotten along so well is because I, I immediately identified. I was like, all right, this dude's in pursuit of truth, <laughs> you know, like like because I know I know that you are going against your audience's wishes when you were starting to to really hammer on what Trump did wrong. Um, and most people aren't willing to do that because they, they just view it as like, well, I'm not going to sacrifice that payday. And, and you're right. And when it comes to Elon, most people, especially those that are followed by Elon on X, like they're not ever going to say a bad word about the dude because they know just a reply from him means probably another 500 or a thousand followers to their account. And, and that is what their focus is. And I think that, that we need, we need way more people that are willing to actually tell the truth and, and hold, you know, powerful people to account that like, that's really what journalism was. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be. And it's so strange that a bunch of people that like weren't interested in becoming journalists, just because we're interested in the truth, we end up being in that, in that category. It's, it's a, it's a weird time, man. I don't understand it. Well, there's an industry, I think, where, uh, you know, a lot of people like if you go to my Instagram page at Dream Rare, like I say I'm a hip hop artist and a news analyst. I mean, it's just like a word, but I analyze the news. I'm trying to be as honest as I can analyzing what's going on and telling you what I know and what I don't know. A lot of people, their audience thinks that they're doing journalism, but they're really just team players. Right. And the thing is, when your team's doing well, like 2016 to 2019, you know, I seem like a team player because I agree with all the team players because in my opinion, Trump's crushing. And, you know, similar to how you were saying with Javier Mali, like give him a chance. I gave Trump a chance that he did some weird things, but I'm like, you know what? Life is tough. He's doing a good job. And then when 2020 came around, he's tweeting that he was the father of the lockdowns and said that it was up to him and not the governors. I don't even know if he's telling the truth, but he literally said that. He told Sweden to lockdown. He starts printing money like Karl Marx on steroids. He gives $18 billion to the pharmaceutical industry, in, you know, which is a socialist scheme called an Operation Warp Speed. And I start reporting on this stuff. And all of a sudden, I just realized that like 98% of my peers they're not doing what I'm doing, but it's because they're getting invited to Mar-a-Lago and they're getting money with him and their, their selfie with him gets 50,000 likes. So what you have in the Republican Party are a lot of businessmen and a lot of team players. And it's smart. I mean, you lose money. I, you know, you lose money when you do this type of stuff because there's a lot of sponsors and a lot of, um, you know, people that want to draw you in. So it, it's it's a tough road to walk down. But I you, think that's what people need to realize. It's not everybody that they think are doing journalism. They're not doing journalism. They're basically just Team Red, yep. you know, Team Trump. Yep, uh, more more Team Trump than Team Red. But I, I think it's very short-sighted because, like, despite the fact that, you know, basically I, I, I don't have any allegiance because I, I'm not a Republican, I'm a Libertarian, so it really doesn't matter to me. But I think that the reason that Ron Paul's legacy has been so cemented in history is because he is always in pursuit of the truth. And I think that, for, especially if you're going to be a, a journalist of any you know category, pursuing the truth above all else, even if it means a, a temporary setback in your income, is still priority number one because your your track record will speak for itself. You know, like like sure, Tucker Carlson got some things wrong in the 2000s, but he's owned that. I think that Trump, if he were to own his errors, as opposed to pointing to Ron DeSantis and going, "Oh well, you." You opened up too soon and you you were the lockdown governor too. You were listening to Fauci. It's like, bitch, you put Fauci on that stage. You put him on the stage all summer long and 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 DeSantis stopped listening to him far before you did and you had the opportunity to fire him and you didn't. And I'm I'm not even a DeSantis supporter. I'm just saying like it's such a it's such a lie. 
it's such a lie and a revisionist one at that to try and portray DeSantis as having been the the lockdown guy when Trump is going around, you know, uplifting Fauci, this criminal of the highest order. It's just it's it's just revisionism to a point that it's gaslighting. Like it's it's but actually it, insulting. It it works though. That's the interesting part. Like, and I know Trump is almost eighty years old now, so he's not a kid. But it's like if you let your kid scribble all over the walls, you know, the kid that learns is the one that has consequences for doing it, not the one who says you're doing such a great job. So you know, twenty eighteen Trump. There's not much you really have to say because he's just out on Twitter being wild, being funny and telling the truth. Right. There's there's not much correcting you even have to do because Trump was just so honest at that point. Now, you know, he'll go on Fox News and say my vaccine saved 100 million lives because my Democrat friend told me that. And like nobody corrects him. They say, sir, yes, sir, you're good because that's who Trump rewards. He rewards journalists who are propagandists and people that would probably lick his nuts before they questioned him. So it's like <laughs> that's the new economy of that's booming with the money right now is just like suck up to Trump. So. It's one of those things that I think that it would be good, at least for me, like if he wouldn't do that, because it would make me like him more and want to vote for him. But he doesn't actually have to do it. Similar to a kid who has no consequences, the more he leans into it, it's like a religion based around him. Or if he says, you know, my vaccine saved 100 million lives, which is a psychotic statement that even Bill Gates would make because a Democrat told me so. If he just says, and Chris Christie's fat and Ron has boots, then everyone goes, oh, <laughs> You know, fatty. And it's like, yeah, Chris Christie is abnormally obese, but Trump tried to hire him and picked Christopher Ray because Chris Christie told him to. And, nice. and Trump went on Sean Hannity and said, you know, I, I listen to Chris Christie a lot. I listen to Chris Christie and that's OK. I take his advice. He told me to pick Christopher Ray. So like the joke is on MAGA because they're like, oh, he's fat. And it's like, yeah, but Trump listened to fatty. And that's why your FBI director is the same under Biden because Trump picked him because he actually works for the guy he calls fat. Like Trump is like a WWE co comedian at this point where nobody in his base. And I'm not saying I hate the guy, but it's like the base is just like, oh, look at Ron's shoes. And that's how you get the sponsors. Look at Ron's shoes. They don't care about substance anymore. And it's right. like it's driving me insane because it's like they're like, how is he? How did he do socialism? I'm like buying 100 million doses from Pfizer and then saying they're free and then giving 18 billion dollars to the pharmaceutical industry. That's not capitalism. That's certainly not libertarianism. But his nope. base doesn't know because they just like watch the show. It's very uh, it's an odd place to be in for me, who obviously I really did like him for a while. But now I'm just like it, it, it reminds me of like season 15 of WWE, where like the character, the plot's not even that good anymore that I don't I just don't believe it anymore. Like I, anything I remember, he says. I remember there was I, I can't remember the, the exact uh, line of attack that Rand Paul took, but it was 2015 during the debates. And Rand Paul hits him with like something to the effect of like you were voting Democrat 10 years ago or something like that. And and instead of, you know, just answering it and being like, yeah, well, I, I've seen the light or anything like that. He just goes, why are you even on the stage? You're pulling at 2% and the the audience laughs and that's and that's it. That's like that's that's his tactic and it works. And it, it's the most stunning thing, because any other politician, if you just re resort to, uh, you know, ad hominem attacks against your opponents, they'll go like, well, you're not answering the question. <laughs> you know? But like with Trump, it's like if he gets a laugh line, it's it's over. He's he's totally forgiven. Uh, I want to play this clip because now that we've spent uh, a little while dunking on Trump, now we're going to end up in defending him position. This is uh, Eric uh, Holder the uh, the AG under Biden or excuse me under Obama Can you just describe a little bit in terms of um, the role of and how it would transform if an attorney general we're not looking at things purely from the facts purely from the evidentiary burden and how to meet it but instead 
taking directives on who to prosecute from the president of the United States? Sure. If the president told a compliant attorney general, uh, I don't like what this congressman said about me or did about me, did to me over the course of the last two, three years, whatever, open an investigation um, on that person. That attorney general could tell a compliant United States attorney to do just that. Talk to a compliant FBI director who could be replaced uh, by the, the president to open an investigation and then to just look through that person's life and look for anything that you possibly um, can find. Um, and uh, who's to say what you find in any person's life that might run afoul uh, of the law? And even beyond that, the, fa the mere fact of an investigation of a person who is a public figure can be reputation ruining, can be politically damaging, not even if you find anything, just the, the fact that the investigation itself um, exists. And if you've got the full weight of the Justice Department, the full weight of the presidency, the full weight of the FBI um, focusing on somebody like that, um, that can be extremely damaging to not only that person individually, but to our democracy writ large. I just found that clip to be so incredible because, number one, uh, Eric Holder was a total scumbag. <laughs> Under Obama, he was responsible for Fast and Furious, which was, uh, you know, selling uh, weaponry to the cartels in Mexico. Uh, but also, uh, what what he's what he's pointing out here is what Trump in his second term could potentially do, and why it's such a threat. This is exactly what is happening under Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, and right. uh, and, and and Biden right now is that they are. <laughs> just digging through every aspects of Trump's life uh, on all these different state levels, trying to put him in prison or keep him off of the ballot. Like this is like what they're fear mongering about Trump potentially doing is what they're doing right now. I don't know how people can't see through this. It drives me crazy. Any thoughts? I mean, I would just say it's team politics. Another one, not to get off topic, but it's like Cori Bush, the Democrat, now that she wants to talk about Israel and it's not popular, she says, uh, you know, words are not violence. It's like, yes, but but they were, weren't they violence a year ago? And then you have right-wingers like Dave Rubin saying, yeah, they're, they're shutting down protests. So it's like with one topic, Israel and Palestine, the left becomes the right, they have free speech principles, the right becomes the left, they don't believe in free speech anymore. And they, it's like the self-awareness is, is non-existent. It's, it's literally insane. Like it, I could tell it drives you crazy, Clint. It's like, how can that guy sit there and say that? I didn't realize till the end that he was talking about a different case and not like, you know, the, 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 the lack of self-awareness of him saying that on television, like that's not what's happening is unbelievable. It's, it's legitimately insane. And it drives you nuts <laughs> if you're not insane, you know, which is <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's crazy that he could sit there and say that and not even realize, like you would think these people know, right? Like, you know, it would be like if someone had like freaking spaghetti sauce all over their face where their face was red and they're like, my face is clean. Right. And you're like, no, there's spaghetti <laughs> sauce all over your face. And they're like, no, it's completely clean. And it's like, you know you're lying, right? Like, <laughs> like just tell me, because I'm. It's freaking me out. Yeah, it really does. It freaks me out. It makes me feel like <laughs> these people are like, like actually psychopathic. Because you, normally you just assume they're sociopaths, but then when you see shit like that, you're like, oh no, these people are psychopaths. Like they, they're not. They, they have no shame whatsoever. Literally, they're trying to put the fucking former president. Which, by the way, they tried to coup multiple times during his presidency with information that was made up by the fucking FBI 
And now Eric Holder sits up there and goes, if Trump were to get elected again, well, God forbid, what what can you imagine what he would do with a weaponized FBI? It's like, bitch, the weaponized FBI is what you what y'all made. It's what you guys are actually trying to control the world with right now is is your deep state operatives through the CIA and the FBI. And it's just it's just so infuriating. The gaslighting is so extreme. It really makes me feel like I'm losing my fucking mind listening to these people talk like like every time I see Fauci on TV, I'm like, why aren't you on trial? You know, like same with Eric Holder. Like, why are you having Eric Holder who who really like committed treason? He's arming the motherfucking cartels. Like, why is he not on trial? Why is he why is he being looked at as a political commentator of, of high acclaim or respect when this guy should literally be getting prosecuted right now? And that's just not how our system works. And I feel like at some point we have to just go like, oh, yeah, well, we're ruled by corrupt criminals and there is no justice in this world anymore. But then I get blackpilled and I try not to go there. It's insane. I, I have a question for Steph. I want your answer to this, because when I watch stuff like this, um, you know, for a couple of months, because I, I just want to replay how I saw it and then get your response, because I'm I'm open to either side of this equation. Even if I wasn't, you could always disagree with me. It's not even my show. You guys could actually probably just kick me off and I'd nope, be pissed. But I'm, I, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm like, you have the power. You're to, our you know. guest. You're our no, guest. No, What's I'm just the question? OK, so for, for 2020, I was reporting just like analytics of the lockdown and, the, and all that stuff. And everybody was like mad at me. They're like, shut up. We got to win the election. And then after it was like, shut up. We got to like still win the election, even though, you know, like we could win it after it's over. But then like there was three months there where what I was saying for two years that everybody hated me for, it started actually getting mainstream and popular. People like Tim Pool, the Hot Twins, they, they all were like, why is Trump selling the vaccine so much? Like why, what's going on? You know, a lot of people liked Ron more than Trump for a couple months. And I'm not asking you to like Ron. For the people in the comments of like the false paradigms of you must love Ron if you love Trump. It's like, it's, let's not play this game. I don't care that much about Ron. But in general, as soon as the Alvin Bragg arrest happened, then everybody stopped from going like, hey, we need bipartisan retribution for what happened during the lockdowns. And Trump kind of failed us and his rhetoric kind of sucks now. And he's like past his prime. It went from like, we must defend him against the left. And it created this three year like Russia collusion loop again, where Trump is the victim. They're the enemy. And they're going to just make this show trial for the next two years that everybody should talk about and feel bad for Trump. So that actually what happened, the bipartisan money printing, the bipartisan vaccine scamming, like none of that gets addressed. My question for Steph is, do you think that's just like a coincidental byproduct that they just really hate Trump? And they want to arrest them and that just happened or do you think that's like the establishment's way of just wasting people's time and controlling the narrative where whether you're on the trump side or you're against trump you're still talking about a trial that's probably not even going to mean anything in a year instead of the actions of the democratic and republican party biden and trump mcconnell and pelosi like that's an afterthought and then you have thomas massey he's the only one saying like the quality of our meat in America is insane. And, and you don't even have to say what country the meat's from. And they're like, shut up, Thomas Massey. We're talking about Trump trials, not the food we're eating. Like, I kind of see it that way. But, you know, let well, me know. That's, I'm going to say that that's a, quite a loaded question. There was a lot going on in there. But um, in terms of Trump and in terms of like uh, people not wanting to hear what you were reporting, I think that the people... People are going to, you know, if you're saying the truth and if you're saying what you're seeing from an unbiased perspective, you're that's like the best we can do. Right. 
So whether the people like that or not, that's up to them to see, okay, you know, am I just following a narrative or what I want, what I think, like this box that I'm putting myself in and this ideology, or am I actually going to question things and maybe learn from that and be like, okay, I don't have to be this 100% person that I identify as like, maybe um, I can be open-minded and, and maybe move, you know, to something else. What I'm saying is like, maybe some people will be like, oh, after a while, even though I was like, for example, my family and a, a bunch of people I knew at one point were really into Trump. And then after a while I started learning about different things, like, yeah, the pushing vaccines, like, okay, that's not really cool. Like I'm not about that. So it's like, just because you're into Trump doesn't mean like you have to stay with that. And I think that a lot of people like that do didn't follow you or didn't like you. That's good. When you're creating controversy, that's good because you're waking people up and they're starting to question their reality. And that's what we want. We we don't want people to be subservient. We don't want people to just bow their heads and be like, yes, 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 or put themselves in a box. We want people to get riled up. That's what Alex Jones is known for. That's what he, he woke me up. That was one of the main prominent figures that got me riled up, whereas I had to start questioning. And then for me, my first start was through the food. Like GMOs was like the thing that really I went and I bought a domain name, gmomg.org, and I was like going to make this whole website. And I remember back in the day when I was talking to Luke, he's like, yeah, you should do it. And we came up with like a domain name. Long story short, I ended up coming to We Are Change because I think that we should be, you know, helping the people that are already out there. Like Luke has been doing this for 20 plus years. I've known him for quite a while back, was doing internship with him back in the day and it's good to be like with the people that are speaking the truth with the people that can say you know what i was wrong and and change my opinion it's not about you know everyone and what they want or what they think is right it's about what the the truth is what you're finding out right now and even if it makes you have to do something hard even if it makes you have to change your opinion and people are not going to like that the people that are going to respect you are the ones that are also wanting the truth. And that is the most important key. Forget about your ego and trying to be this person with all the likes or, you know, I really thought it was so interesting what you were saying about the business people versus like the influencer kind of business versus the journalism, real journalism. This is super critical point to distinguish. I never thought of it that way, maybe because I'm not like really into all those circles. So I don't like see that as a personal thing every day, but that's a very interesting point to make. And it just adds on to why we need to be a, more hypercritical and, and, and just be really aware of, of what we're, what we're buying into. Right. And I want to say this real quick and Clint, you could kind of tell me your opinion. This is something I noticed about the left. And I think why they're so good at winning, even when they lose, you know, even if they lose an election, they tend to win culture or kind of like block the president from doing anything. With Russia collusion, I remember when it first came out, I made a few videos about it. I know Jimmy Dore was telling the truth about it. Ben Shapiro talked about it every day. And I was like, I got it even from then. I was like, okay, I'm going to defend Trump against the Russia collusion uh, accusations, but I'm not going to talk about this for three years because if I talk about this for three years, they're controlling my time, my energy, my content, and we're not getting to root level problems because we're talking about this problem that the Democrats made. So I don't think people understand the genius of the Democrats because they make a problem. And even if you beat a problem, they still won because they wasted so much of your time. And most of the first two years of Trump's presidency were completely wasted with all the leverage he had in Congress. There was nothing that was really even done of any significance that it could have been done. So I think with the, the court case, I find the same thing. It's like they make this whole narrative, even when Trump's innocent from all this and it doesn't even affect him, they drove record fundraising to him. When Charlottesville and when the January 6th happens, CNN gets a lot of headlines. So it's like they revel in this chaos because they know 
that conservatives are easy to control. You just make a narrative, you create the narrative, you both kind of profit off it on both sides and it keeps people on a carousel. And I would say that most Republican influencers have probably talked about this Trump court case every day for the last two years. And when it's done, it's not gonna address the quality of our meat. It's not gonna address the donor class. It's not going to address you know anything. It's the, the cabinet, what failed last time. So it almost just creates this diversion where even when you win, you lose because they're masters at wasting people's time, which makes me think, I think they're just doing it purposely as a distraction, you know, like it's like, oh, these dude, we just scammed the whole world in 2020, 2021, 2022. The Republican Party was in on it. But if we create this Democrat versus Trump narrative and this Trump versus DeSantis narrative and this Trump versus Biden narrative, all these Republicans will completely forget about it. And, and they have. And it makes you unpopular to say it. But I don't really care about what people say. I That's just truly what I believe, that they're creating these moments just to control the right and run them in circles. And, and and we take the bait every time. Well, see, to me, that's that's the that's really the wrong takeaway. Just in the fact that like it's unpopular to say it, but I genuinely believe. Like, look at the who's the most successful uh, commentator on earth? It's Joe Rogan. Rogan gets things wrong, undoubtedly, but he also is always telling what he thinks is true. And I think that that because his audience knows that they're very forgiving of any disagreements that they have with them. Like I, I hate the fact that Rogan was talking about MMT for the longest time, modern monetary theory as an Austrian economics guy. It's the fucking most retarded idea imaginable. <laughs> it's so, so, so stupid. And he just kept saying it. He had like Andrew Yang on and he was like, he was totally on the UBI and the MMT kick for a couple of years. And it drove me fucking nuts. But, <laughs> but it, it never made me shut off his show because I love Rogan and I know that he's he is in pursuit of truth. And as of late, now that the inflation's here, he's not so much talking about UBI and MMT. So I'm like, all right, well, the guy's learning. He, he didn't catch it as fast as he should have. He had on Dave Smith and Peter Schiff. He should have learned this a long time ago. But at least he's in pursuit of truth. And I feel the same way about people like you, Anomaly, is that you may lose a, a chunk of your audience because you're you're being critical of Trump's failings, but they're legitimate failings. And those that stick with you will appreciate that your track record will will demonstrate that you are in pursuit of truth. And I think that that there is a huge market for that proven by Joe Rogan's success that people ought to be modeling as opposed to being this little like paid lemming bitch that just wants to get hired to be a commentator on Fox News or something like those are all dying industries. And, and for the record, same with the Daily Wire or any of these new independent models that also require you to have a certain opinion when it comes to, uh, you know, Israel being in a war. I think that those are also dying models. I think that the, the real true future is going to be the Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan's of the world that are actually going to have people of uh, under their umbrella, their networks that are speaking uh, you know, truths that don't align even with the the top of that pyramid, you know, like Tucker, for instance. Right. So I think that's the future. Yeah, I hear you. And, uh, you know, one thing, and I don't know if this is why, because I, I have like other bad habits. I'm not saying I'm not trying to just for because I know how much people like TV and movies. So whenever I criticize it, like 99% of the world hates me. So I'm just getting out of the way and being humble and saying I do other things that you, you get what I'm saying? It's not like I'm perfect and working out all the time. But in general, I don't watch TV and movies like at all. You asked me like some girl the other week was like, you, you seen Westworld? No, I, no, I haven't. Like, I don't know. And I don't know anything. I can and relate. Everyone hates me for that. So I I'm just threw getting the out TV of the way. out of my out of my bedroom. Like there's a TV there all nice. Like Luke's like, here's the boob tube. I'm like, yeah, throw it out. Throw but, it out. 
and I lived in LA for a while and I've been on a set. My, my uh, one roommate was like a, a reality TV, like assistant director. And one day he just wanted me to like stand there as like an extra. I don't even know if I got in the thing as a favor to him because they didn't have enough people. And I saw, I'm not going to say what show, but I saw how fake it was. And however fake you think it is, it's times 10. Like nothing's real. The whole thing's a script. You literally go there. They turn on the lights. They turn it off. Fake beer. Every, like the whole thing was. They, I knew they it was cut it all up. My mom had a reality TV show on MTV. And like they just cut it all up. They they follow you around. And then they, they everyone is like, I didn't say that. That's not how I should have been portrayed. They misportrayed me. It's just they want to make it exciting. They want to make it fun. So yeah, right. reality TV is not reality. And, and seeing it from the inside and then also just not watching it, it's like I have no like addiction to like fake drama. Like I don't need my I don't need to get my thrills from like a Marvel movie, but I, I understand it. I feel like that's what's happening to politics on both sides. It's like the left lost their mind because Trump was the villain in their world. And in my opinion, a lot of people on the right, they don't realize that they're losing it because they just hate the left. And there's so many crazy people on the left. And if they're the right, then they must not be the left. And it's like these all these false paradigms where if like, if it's this, it's got to be this. Like if, if Anomaly says that about Trump, you must love DeSantis, right? And it's like, no, that's your Marvel brain. Like you, you think yep. it's a movie. So I think when it comes to Trump, this is interesting. And honest, only God knows and only time will tell. But like the official narrative of his biggest supporters are like, you know, he just didn't know how deep the swamp was. It's like, it sounds like Kardashian season seven. Like he just didn't know how deep the swamp was. So you're telling me a guy that in his seventies, that's been rich his whole life, that hung out with Epstein and has been around literally everyone all the time. He had no idea how deep the swamp of federal government was. And he failed because he made a mistake and he hired 99% of the swamp because he just didn't know. Like that's the, that's people's Marvel brains. And I know this is not going to be popular, but it's true. Or you could look at the analytics like the smart people and the elites are, which is why they win every election, even when they lose and realize that it's like he said he'd never take people's money. And then he took hundreds of millions of dollars from mega corporations and donors. And then he hired people that aligned with them. So it's like the Marvel brain, which is like 80 percent of the Republican Party now is like, I want to believe this is like Trump episode four, season five, where he comes back for a vengeance because he just didn't know. And he got tricked by Jared Kushner and he didn't know anything about vaccines. And wow. it's like, that's your Marvel brain because everybody's watching so much TV and movies. But in reality, you could listen to even RFK where he says, Trump's not a dummy. Like he's not as dumb as you think he is. Like he knows about vaccine injuries and he actually called me to, to, to run part of his government. But then he took a million dollar bribe from Pfizer closed the door on RFK and hired the pharmaceutical lobby to run HHS. Like that's literally what happened. But the truth is not popular. And I'm not trying to be mean or point fingers, but there's a business now in the Republican movement. It's we're not Fox. We're not rhinos. And we're not rhinos because we like Trump. So that means that we're the good guys because we make fat jokes about Chris Christie. But we don't point any of this stuff out. And that's where all the money is. That's where the Mar-a-Lago visits are. That's where the TPSA gigs are. So that's what everyone's doing. So when I say this stuff, it's being met with like half Marvel brain, half they've heard it from 50 different commentators, the same exact thing over and over and over again, that Trump just doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, he doesn't, he knows, he just knows he has leverage over everyone and he knows that nobody will call him out. So I feel like, you know, I, I think it comes from, that's just my guess is like people that just watch TV and movies all the time and they want politics to be a movie they want it to be good guy versus bad guy but they haven't figured out that there's people above it that will buy and control both sides and it, it like hurts people to be like well trump's got to totally be uh, like way different than that and it's like i hope so like that's what your marvel brain wants to believe but like if you really look at the analytics and the data it's like i don't think he made a million mistakes i don't think he knows 
I personally think that Mali is a Zionist libertarian, and we'll see how that gets him. He is a libertarian, but he's also a hardcore Zionist. Okay, we'll yep. see how, where it gets him. Good, good luck. I hope he does well. And Trump, I feel like, is a Zionist with no principles. I don't even think he's a libertarian or a conservative. No, I think Trump doesn't even have principles, which could be good or bad. So it's like, you know, I think Malia in one day has already lowered and shrunk government more than Trump ever did in four years. And I want to read this real quick. And then this is for you, Clint. It was uh, the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. They're a wild account. I like them. Yeah, I love he them. said they said Malia shrunk the Argentinian government more in a day than Trump did in four years. In fact, Trump made the government bigger over his term. There are only two explanations. Trump is a big government socialist or Trump is too dumb to make government smaller. And most people go with the second one. They say he just didn't know. He didn't know. Malie knew to do it in a day, but Trump didn't know to do it in four years. Like it's it's actually comedic once you get out of like the movie plot of it. And it's like, yo, he's this super smart, great leader who just constantly gets fooled and tricked all the time and hires the wrong people. <laughs> well, that sounds like a pretty bad leader if you're constantly getting tricked by your own employees. But, you yeah. know, I'm not trying to be a dick. I just think that it's this movie and television like ro romanticizing that has people like so emotional when, when you like snap the plot in their head with with un inconvenient facts. Well, there, it's even weirder because there's a ton of libertarians that that are hating Malay because of his Zionist streak. And I'm like, I'm like, do you think that the Argentinian military is actually going to be doing anything in the Middle East? Like oh, almost certainly not. So I don't really give a shit what Malay's opinion is when it comes to geopolitics, because he's not presiding over the military industrial complex uh, a la, you know, the United States president would be. Um, Fair. So, I, can I say this, though? Sure. I think he's going to hand his monetary system to America and, and Israel, uh, basically. So it's like, yeah. I don't I, you know, it's like he's and it's a trickier situation because they're a small country. So I'm I'm not from there. I wish him luck. But it's like him hanging out with Zelensky, him kind of flopping on the Paris Accord already. Yeah. And then him saying, I'm going to be a libertarian by getting rid of our central bank and hanging out with the IMF and basically like serving my country on a platter to America. I'm not going to poo-poo the guy, but personally, I think he's a puppet and I think he's going to fall short. But, you know, well, no, he I, might. I, like, yeah, look, teach their own, teach their own. No, no, no. <laughs> look, <laughs> there is no teach their own here. I agree with you. I mean, you're, <laughs> we're, we're betting on a politician actually being good. So, like, if you bet against that, you're going to win 99% of the time, like, if not more. So, like, yeah, he's probably going to suck. But my point is, the same libertarians that are dragging Malay, even though he shut down all but eight federal departments in his first motherfucking day in office, they will be the ones that excuse Donald Trump. <laughs> and they go like, well, let's see what he can do, you know? And I'm just like, well, Malay has already proven himself to be a better president than Donald Trump did, and he did it in one fucking day. So... All of your critiques of Malay are totally valid. My my point is, then it ought to be applied to Trump and 10, right. 1,000 trillion fold, and it's not being. And I think that's fascinating. But um, real quick, one thing, yeah. real quick, one thing that made me like just go nuts was like this, uh, whatever the guy, Governor Abbott of Texas, he goes on Fox and he goes, today, I'm going to pass a bill to make illegal immigration illegal and Texas police can arrest them. And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, Bro, why would you do that at the end of Biden's term? Like, if this goes through, that means you sat on your ass for three years and didn't pass this bill. It's not impressive. It means you waited too long. Like, I think people and I, I kind of give people the time because I know things can't happen overnight. But kind of when you're president, they can happen overnight. Exactly. And when you're governor, they kind of can. You know, so you could do it three and a half years later. You could have done it then. So I almost feel like these people are toying with us. Like, it's like a show they where are. they're like, oh, illegal immigration should be illegal. I'm like. 
you think so, dude? Like, you know, <laughs> well, let's well, impeach well, Joe Biden. Impeach him. The elections in like three weeks. What do you think? Like, win yeah. the damn election, and then their whole government will be impeached. You know, like, well, just, just look, look so at the stupid to me. look at the governor of New Mexico. This lady's fucking going after the Second Amendment based off of health crises using the same protocols from COVID. It's totally unconstitutional. But my point is, look at what a governor who's actually driven can do. You know, you can do some wild shit and all of the conservative governors, they don't they don't do anything. The conservative presidents, they don't do anything. The Democrats, they go in there. Executive order. First day. DEI is in every federal department. All of you are going to have to be woke. It's going to come from the top down. And if you if you fight it at all, we're going to call you racist. And by the time Trump's back in in power, he's not going to undo it until the last month of his presidency, in which case the next guy is going to redo it on the first day of his presidency. So it's always like it's like one step forward, 50,000 steps backwards. And I just feel like i hope at least that people are starting to wake up to this anyways i want to uh wrap the show here because i want people to have the opportunity to go over and watch timcast IRL with the great luke rogowski it's going to be a great episode uh they're talking about alex jones obviously being freed um at liberty lock pod on x if you want to follow me tomorrow we're going to have james Lindsay. wednesday we're going to have dave smith it's been a great show today i really appreciate you guys sticking with us even though we had to do it uh you know via uh streaming into one another as opposed to in studio but uh hopefully the next time anomalies in miami we can have them in studio thank you for joining us man yeah thanks for having me on and i want to you know luke only had a short amount of time but you know we kind of went at it over the yay interview and stuff i would have liked to talk about that just to uh you know, get on good terms. I don't think Luke cares and I, I have thick skin, so I don't care either. But I really do appreciate you guys having me on. And I think that Luke has been a real legend in this game. I think for a long time, Luke has been doing really important stuff, which is on the ground journalism, getting interviews and miking, you know, powerful people, asking them the tough questions. He's been at it for decades. So I appreciate him. I appreciate you guys for having me on. And uh, Dream Rare on, on uh, Rumble, Instagram, everything, and DreamRareLinks.com if you want to check it out. Thank you guys for having me. I'm grateful to have a platform. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. Appreciate the time, brother. Yeah, thank you very much. And you can find me on Steph We Are Change on Instagram or Steph WRC on X. And if you guys want to support our work, the best way to do so is obviously to create an account on Rumble, sign up and uh, subscribe. We're trying to get to the 100,000 so we can get that little statue. That'll be fun. And then if you want to really support the work and be able to actually call in uh, on our live streams, it is lukeunfiltered.com. It doesn't cost a ton of money, but it is a great way to support genuine, legitimate, independent journalism. We do not, like Luke and I have never critiqued or, or curtailed which direction we're going to go with any topic. This is fucking real, real analysis in real time, totally raw, unfiltered and uncensored and unscripted. And I appreciate it's not true. He told me if I shut up about Trump, he'd buy me a Louis bag. I was like, bro, I'm not your girl. Like, nah, I'm just kidding. That never happened. Lies. Wait, don't break your record. Don't break the record now. You've been truth for a good time. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, he, he promised me a Louis bag. I was like, dude, what are you talking about, bro? I, I, I wear a backpack. No, yeah, I'm just playing. That was between us, dude. I can't believe oh, shit. Oh, that, my bad. cover like that. Shit, Anyways, uh, everybody subscribe, leave a comment down below, and share the show with your friends. We are out of here. Peace.